This episode is brought to you by Snapple. Want to know another Snapple fact? The first hot air balloon passengers were a sheep, a duck, and a rooster. Ridiculous. Check out Snapple.com to find ridiculously flavored Snapple near you. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the must not take yourself too seriously and... 6-1 since that matters. And what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Uh, Eden, like it's, it's crazy to me. Uh, I go, it's weird to call you Eden, by the way, because I just know Pikachu Lou. Um, <laughs> but uh, what what is a great example of a that's so Asian? And it's incredible to me that you have never done a that's so Asian for us, with us. Well, speaking of my username, that's a that's pretty that's so Asian, if you ask me. <laughs> um, it's 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 kind of just uh, I I didn't even really like Pokemon that much, and people in middle school like to make jokes and they're they're like you're asian so you must watch pokemon and your last name rhymes with pikachu so we're gonna call you pikachu lu and it just kind of stuck now did you did you reverse that like was it originally ridicule and then you're like no i'm gonna take that shit back i'm gonna make this mine yeah that's that's what i had to do because i was like oh i'm you know being associated with this stupid anime that i don't even watch because i'm asian but then I was like, all right, well, Pikachu is actually adorable. So, I mean, it works. <laughs> Sadie loves I've it. I've never I've never seen one. I've never seen like it, What? Um, <laughs> like I know of it, don't get me wrong. I've never seen like the the the, the content, like the show. It's a, oh, a show. I thought you a, meant you not, did not know who Pikachu was and I was like, I don't know where you've been living for the last <laughs> under what rock you've been existing under for the last 30 years. Eden, but. By, by the way, Eden also has some other boxes checked. Uh you are a piano player, correct? I am a piano player. How I am many, a how many figure years, skater also. How, how many years of piano? Um, started at eight and played through probably like college before I didn't have a com- didn't have access to a piano anymore. Do you have a keyboard oh, at home? Nope. Um, I I used to, but a keyboard just does not feel the same as Even with the weighted keys. Yeah. Yeah, because like I need the pedal, like for a lot of the, the pieces that I play are really expressive, like um, yeah. Nocturnes by Chopin or. Whoa! 
Mm. Yeah, love that. Love I'm, nocturnes. I'm, I'm buying you a keyboard for your birthday. Okay, well it's in September, so. <laughs> Unless you want what me to get Axel your full F piano. Do you want me to get your full Williams piano Cop. for the apartment? Yeah, I'll take a full piano. You know, it's, it's so. Do you know it's so hard to find people that tune pianos now because like piano tuners someone, are going extinct. Someone just offered me a piano for my house, but I don't have the room for it. Oh, you got to get it, the it kids me out. out. If I had a if I had a bigger house, I'd do it, but I just just can't. You know? I can see Grayson Grayson on the keys. He's good. He's already good. Uh, Sutanya, my nanny, uh, teaches him because she knows a little. And so right. he knows how to play uh, some little some little tunes. It's pretty cool. Um, what what else? Oh, and then figure skating. Yes, I figure so, skated my whole life. Also, that is definitely an entry into the. the I think that's the new age Asian, like post Christy Yamaguchi. Oh yeah, I absolutely hot. agree. Yeah, because she was like her and Michelle Kwan were like my my idols growing up. Like I wanted to be like Michelle. Like. You know, that was those were my people. I just, they all these Asians on a on a on a grand Olympic stage. You know, that, those are my role models. <laughs> oh, totally feel you. You know what's funny? Um, I'm I'm trying to work on a story. I don't. This is probably getting bleeped out or um dinged out. Oh my god, what I've, I've it's been so long since we've done one of these that I forgot my terminology. I, Bossa Nova. <laughs> Thank you, Bossa Nova, <laughs> Jane. Um. But you know, uh, by the way, Mariah I'm trying to get I'm Nagasu. trying to get these these other two on, and of course, we're running into problems. Just figures. I'd like to say that it's more them now. It's Prim, not less me. I've not gotten. I got Ohm. Where do I call in? What are you doing, Ohm? <laughs> How many times have we done this? <laughs> well, it has been like two years or something since since y'all have done this, right? A year, a year. Yeah, a it's, year? it's okay. been, I I had to look it up. September. It was September was the last time we did um, one of these. Oh, it was, that's, that's it was for Serena. Either. Serena, when she, no, it's not. When Serena won the U.S. or lost the U.S. Open, that was the last time we chatted. Oh, oh. there he is. There's Ohm. What up, what up, what up? What up, Ohm? What's going on? How I you been, a, Jade? Very good. How are you? <laughs> Congratulations. I, dude, I'm so bummed we didn't get to hang out in L.A., man. And also, uh, I you're, just— you're, I, I, I was I, there. I, dude, I witnessed I, it all. You're the godfather. But dude, but I, I would have had you on stage. I totally fucking spaced out, man. <laughs> dude, I, you got to You got to make was, sure that I keep, you got to keep me. Uh, I'm too Asian. I'm, I'm too Asian, my, uh, I'm blaming my I, assistant, Eden. <laughs> that's your fault. It's my fault. It's my fault. I we take full responsibility. Well, we haven't even met. I saw, I saw you roaming around. You were also very popular. So, but eventually we got to meet, but. Jade, it was an amazing experience, man. To see all of that grow into what it's grown into, fucking unbelievable. Like, hold I can't up, believe Hold what up, hold up. Let played. me. Can I play a little catch up here? Ohm, you were at a live show and Jade did not invite you to be a part of the live show? Is that what I mean? Yeah, well, I was. Ohm was just, he was tentative in a way, right? Ohm, it was yeah, well, like, I'm, I'm going to try to make it. I was yeah, I was about to say, he was and living up to it. There were so many people, Carrie. Like, there were literally 400 people there that I just didn't see him until, uh, like, at the end, sort of. Well, no, no, I saw him in the middle. There was you like an intermission. Up to me at the stage, yeah. Yeah, it was intermission. But, like, Carrie, what am I? I'm not going to be like, Jade. I want to go on stage. I'm going to talk. I mean, that was, I, that was the one, like, honestly, uh, seriously, being honest, like that was the one thing I was like, God damn it. But also 
You know, I, I'm, let's just say I wasn't in the most uh, sober. Yeah, in minds. I wasn't hey. going to bring that up, but Prince you did. Hey, hey, Primmy. Oh, God, am I on video? Sorry. Yeah, you put yourself Stop on video. It. I didn't so put you on weird, video. Man. Okay, Prim, come video? on. What are we? What is this? <laughs> why am I? Why am I getting car ride Prim here? Because she's on her way to the airport. I'm on the way to the airport. Which is not the, which is which is like a fob tradition because. Did, wasn't Steeler? Steeler did one from the yeah. airport. Yeah, someone's yeah. always on the way to the airport. Oh, sorry, man. Eden, this is really the only time I can really like do it. I'll mute my. I'll have to mute myself a lot. Eden, I, I can hang out for like thirty minutes, but like I, they probably close at like four thirty. So right, well, listen, do me a favor. Just I need a voiceover very quickly. Go. Um, okay. This is Nerder. She wrote. This is Nerder. She wrote. Perfect. With your host Dave Dufour. With your host, Dave Dufour. Thank you. All right. Um, uh, 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 guy Eden is the voice of my podcast network, the NBA I love podcast it. network. Thank you. Uh, nice. Thank you. By the way, Eden is a great name. Thank oh, it's the you. best. That is a fan. I'm a big fan of names, name. so that's a great name. I, I, I feel totally like there are agree. a lot more Edens now than there were when there I was There are? There. Yeah. Like babies or like of, of age? I think like t- there's like... A, Probably like teenage Edens right about now. No way. Like, Where's that? Yeah, from? I don't like, know. I just well, I just know that when I was growing up, Eden was you never heard Eden, and then like now there's just more and more Edens. I mean, this isn't based off scientific numbers or anything. Yeah, like, yeah. yeah. One Eden. Yeah. There's only one Eden in my life. <laughs> again and we are on the friday mailbag channel because we do these every once every two years and we don't have our own channel but that'll change uh, carrie chow here prim Pat is uh, waiting to get into an airport lounge because she's all hoity-toity like that uh om young masuk is online om uh, yo what up there he is oh, what up what up there she is prim is that she doesn't even know she's on. This is this is how we start our fall plus. You can tell we're a little rusty, guys. You can tell we're a little rusty. We also have, I don't know how we've never had her on the fall pod before. Pikachu Lou, Eden Lou in the house. What's up? Jade forgot I was at the end of the bench. This is my first time actually getting fresh off the bench and got the call up. Wait a minute, we never had you on. Are you sure about that? Yeah, I'm sure. I'm so oh, sure. I, sure. Pitched Jade, I pitched Jade this is a long ass paragraph about why I should be on. I never got on. <laughs> I feel like you and I have Prim. been on a pod together Prim. before, Prim. Oh, what is she doing to us? <laughs> oh, man. So I can look at my Skype, and right now I see these mute buttons on and off all the time with Prim and Ohm. <laughs> this is just Wait, it's so embarrassing. Now? We can barely hear you. Can you guys hear me now? Barely. You can barely hear me? Yeah. Get off those earbuds. Put the, ear to your, put the phone to your ear. All right, all right, all right. Hold on. You know, with starts like these to podcasts, I wonder why anybody wants us back. <laughs> oh, you can see the mute mute signs come up. I didn't know that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I think a lot of things have changed since we've all been together, guys. And I was trying to think about it. I think there have been three kids and an engagement. Is that accurate? Like, Jade. Who's engaged? 
oh snap i didn't just let that out of the bag <laughs> <laughs> you totally did it. uh that would be me congratulations <laughs> is that public knowledge uh yeah i posted it on instagram and um and Facebook a little while ago. I guess that's how much you've been on Instagram, Jade. Thanks for noticing. I yeah, sure thanks I for caring you. about your old family, Jade. I don't really go through Instagram. I post Instagram. I don't really go through it. It's just like, hey, there's pictures. This um, dude sells the pod to The Athletic. Next thing you know, we're just yesterday's news. Yep, yep. He's left great. us in the dust. Congratulations. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, and you did it in Hawaii, which, uh, you know, as someone who got married out there, I must say, props. Well, done. Well, uh, a little humble brag. I did it at a waterfall with a helicopter landing on the helipad, kind of like oh, come on. Jurassic Park with the uh, helipad no in front of the waterfall. Didn't. Yeah, I had it all set up where it was supposed to be the surprise that I, 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 oh I went gosh. through this extreme, so like, extreme thing, like, like maybe this, you know, so basically we were in, in on the big island and we were staying at Mauna Kea, which is awesome. If anybody ever wants to go, they should. And we took this helicopter ride to the other side. And so I had the, the helicopter people pick us up and I didn't tell her we were going on a helicopter ride. I just told her, I said, Hey, we're going on a, a um, timeshare tour, which we do like almost every vacation to get like free cash and points or whatever. And so I, I said, but we kind of got to dress up a little bit. She's like, why? And I said, uh, well, because apparently the timeshare place was supposed to be at this really nice hotel. And so because I usually go everywhere in my shorts. So I didn't want her to think like, why is this dude wearing a polo shirt and jeans to go to some timeshare thing? And then, of course, the van picked us up and it said blue Hawaiian helicopters. And she's like, what are we doing? And I said, oh, we're going on a helicopter tour. She's always wanted to go on one. And then the lady who was driving the shuttle goes, oh, my God, because it was Valentine's Day. She goes, oh, my God, your boyfriend bought this for you and taking you on a helicopter tour uh, on Valentine's Day. What a keeper. And then she goes, and you have the best tour there is. You're landing at a waterfall. And she was like, what? That was supposed to be a surprise. <laughs> so then we get there to the helicopter thing, and it turns out that after an hour, we don't take the tour because the weather was bad there. So for the next two days, the tour just kept getting canceled because of the weather. And so I've just got this ring in my pocket just burning a hole right through my pants. And then, like, finally, we took a tour, we landed, and everything worked out, and it seemed to be pretty good. Although she was, like, she was, like, crying uncontrollably, like, when I gave her the ring. And so, like... I don't know. I just, I still feel like she, I don't know. I just felt like she, I wasn't sure if she didn't like the ring. What? I couldn't, <laughs> I couldn't read into it. So like Prim, when you, when Ben proposed to you, did you just cry uncontrollably and couldn't react? Um, I did not cry uncontrollably, but I'm also somebody, <laughs> I'm also very Asian. So I keep my emotions kind of very, <laughs> 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 like you, you, you guys know the drill. Um, but I definitely shed tears, but I did not cry uncontrollably. I don't know. I, I think the only times I've cried uncontrollably is definitely by myself in a bedroom or like in my, in the confines of my own home. So you're at the end of Corky person. Romano. Was it at the end of Corky <laughs> Romano? It was, that was one of the times. And another one of the times was like true Beverly Hills or something. I, I don't know, but, um, Prim, you're so hardcore. <laughs> You're like hardcore <laughs> tennis player. I mean, if you ask any athlete, like that's just what we're conditioned to not show emotion. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. I, I have a random uh, question here. A parent, this is a parenting question, so I apologize. <laughs> but I'm really curious, Prim, Jade, 
Jade, are you still on with us or have you already left us for uh, <laughs> more important athletic <laughs> endeavors? Um, so we, I have a ton of like baby clothes and I find that we have way more baby clothes than we actually use. So like we have the three to six month little outfits that people give us and it's, they're so cute. They're awesome. But I don't change the dude every day because he's basically sitting at home all day. And I'm like, there's no need for me to change this. And really, the only times I change it is when he, like, poops or leaks through and it's actually dirty. And I'm like, okay, it's time to change it. Or, Carrie, you know, after a after Carrie, a bath. Carrie, you know, yeah. There's, there's bedtime wear, just like a human. And then there's, <laughs> you know, daytime. You got to put them in an outfit for the day. Why? There's just <laughs> dude is just chilling. Oh, okay, Carrie, no, I'm with it's you. what you do, Chow, Carrie. I'm totally with you. <laughs> you There's no wait, Carrie, need this to is put the, various outfits. No, but Carrie, this sweaty. is where you're not. Thank you, Carrie, because that's some white if you, wait, shit. if you were Asian, <laughs> Carrie, if if you were Asian, Carrie, you wouldn't want to waste these outfits. You would want to use all of them and not put any to waste. Oh, bro, don't worry. No, no, no. they're being packed. And sealed away for in case the next kid comes around, or right. you know, if you have friends or whomever that have kids, then they go to them. So they're not being wasted. Oh, there's there's no my, doubt about that. My niece, I, my niece, pretty much wears new clothes every day. I've see, noticed that, that every for, time I'm over there. How, how old is your clothes. niece? How old is your niece? Uh, she now is three, but I'm talking about even. Oh, no, see, she three's like different, a, bro. Three's even walking around. Oh, my nephew. My nephew is like four. My nephew is four months old. He has a new outfit every time I see him. My kid is about four months old. Okay, just, all right. Four months, I, I see what you're saying. Yeah, but right? once they get to like six, seven, eight, like you, you got to <laughs> start You got to start I having agree. a daytime outfit for him. I do uh, agree with that, though, because like Chow, even I would say like before four months, they're really not doing anything. They're hardly ever leaving the house. Once they start hitting six months, which is where Duke is, he's almost seven months, they start like going outside, still, touching like, things, going to daycare. During the course of the day, at that age, I'm changing the baby th- into at least three outfits a day. Why? That's, that's, Is that because that's they're leaking? Rule, or... Like you said, poop. Anytime poop, clothes go. Yeah, poop. No, for sure. I mean, this uh, is why I have. A, this is why change. I bought a laundry machine, Carrie. You know, <laughs> 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 I have it. You know, I'm going to use it. <laughs> I just find unnes- uh, there's so much unnecessary changing. I'm like, this kid is good. He goes probably two days in the same outfit, and then, um, you know what? Oh, you just you just wait because okay, Chow. I know you mentioned Karen. that. Grazing kids, trust me, me is, an, is an exercise in the unnecessary. It's, it only gets worse <laughs> from here. Oh, I, can Chow, only imagine. I know you, you asked me, hey, do you and Ben talk about poop as much as Mindy and I do? So I don't know if that's like, <laughs> that's like a Chow and Mindy thing. But for whatever reason, once they hit six months, like once they start hitting solids, like their poop is so much more explosive. Oh, and man. it just like pops out of their diaper somehow. Eden, mm. I'm so sorry. I know she's like, oh this she's like, why did I ever join this discussion? I know oh, yeah. but it is. It's like his poop gets in places. Like one time it was all the way up by his neck. I don't Ew. know. How, yeah. I don't know how it happened. <laughs> it's just explosive and powerful. Yeah, I foresee that. Like sometimes there's uh, it's definitely gotten up. It's never reached his neck. But I, this, I definitely get the middle of the back. I've got the middle sounds, of the back. This sounds that to me like you guys. This sounds to me though that you guys aren't catching it soon enough. 
In what? other words, right, it, the longer you wait, <laughs> the longer you let poop sit in a baby's diaper, the more likely it's going to get everywhere. So no, if, if you're able to, if you're there. able to recognize it when it happens or close to when it happens, you can prevent a lot of these things from happening. That's that's probably factual, and I'll take your advice since you're going on number three. But I will say, when we have. I can hear, it's very clear when my dude is like, there's no accidental. It's like, it's like <laughs> yeah. a truck hitting a... It's very <laughs> deliberate. Yeah, yes. There's, it sounds like Jeff Daniels and Dumb and Dumber every single time. And I'm like, oh my Lord, how did that come out of you? And, uh, but yeah, I, I can see that. If you let it sit, for sure, it gets all over the place. And, you know, I don't know. Anyhow, this is why we're on this podcast to talk about baby poop. This is why we've uh, all reconvened. We're, we're actually back together to talk about a little Tiger Woods. Many doubted we'd ever see it. But here it is. The return to glory. I never thought we'd see anything that could rival the hug with his father in 1997. But we just did. That will be the greatest scene in golf forever, Jim Nance. And that, that hug with his children, if that doesn't bring a tear to your eye, if you're a parent, you're not human. Now the, the whole Tiger Woods. We're talking Tiger. Some people really pumped for him to see him complete the epic comeback. Some people less so, less enthusiastic, shall I say. And um, I actually was quite enthused at his comeback. I'm not defending the dude as a person. I don't think anybody's condoning his behavior when he was married and, you know, cheated on, is it Elon? I think it was Elon and ruined, you know, the, that whole fa entire family dynamic. He's a lot of his transgressions are all self created. It, it's his fault. That said from a from a sports perspective, as I was watching, I didn't think I cared about the Masters at all. And I don't really care about golf. But as I was watching and towards the very end, I started to get emotional. Like I teared up and I'm watching and I'm like, dude, Carrie, did you care this much? Like, what are you doing? Why are you getting emotional over this shit? This is stunning to me that I took it that emotionally. I, I just I was so surprised. And. Then I know there's been a complete opposite reaction. I, I think Prim, I want to leave it. I want you to kick it off because I think you have the contrarian feeling. And I'm wondering, well, anyway, Prim, yeah. What, what's your take on Tiger? I'm definitely the contrarian. I, I, I feel like a lot of the comments um, and responses I've been posting on social media or Twitter has gotten quite a bit of backlash. Um, but I think the, the thing that struck me is that there's, there's so much discussion and debate going on. And I think the most important thing to point out is it depends what type of discussion we're having about Tiger Woods. Are we talking about Tiger, the athlete, and his story of redemption? Because everybody loves his athletic story, right? Because everybody loves a good comeback. Um, and there's no denying his athletic prowess and everything that he's accomplished. But then there's also Tiger, the person, and the family man, which, as we have seen, he has shown quite a, some questionable uh, character issues. And then there's also Tiger, the multiracial cultural icon or symbol. And I think that's why everybody is, everybody is, has their different opinions. Um, and I think the problem for me 
is, as you guys know, I'm so passionate about psychology and mental health um, and the other side and connecting sports to life. And for me, I cannot disconnect Tiger Woods, the athlete, from the person. Now, if you can compartmentalize that, then yes, you should, you're probably celebrating his achievements. But for whatever reason, I cannot do that. And maybe that's because of the profession that I'm heading into. You guys know that I, you know, I spent 15 years in broadcasting, not necessarily leaving it, but I just got my master's in counseling psychology, finished that in 11 months. I'm applying to grad school, going to spend the next five years getting my PhD in counseling psychology. Um, and the whole impetus behind that is using sports as a vehicle to teach character. And so you can use your platform for a good cause. And I think that's probably why I'm having such a huge, just difficulty, truly, truly celebrating his accomplishments. But, but right Prim, now. why can't it be, why can't it also be a comeback from him, for him as the person too? I mean, unless, unless I missed a recent transgression off the, off the golf course, uh, why can't it also be a comeback story about him as the person from everything that happened to him? And now he's this family man who cares about his kids and had this incredible moment with his kids right in front of the entire world. Why can't that also be a comeback story too? And it could be, but I don't know. I don't know of anything that he's necessarily done. Like I know he went to rehab and therapy immediately after for his sex addiction addiction and also other issues. Um, I'm looking for certain things. So what I'm looking for is continuous efforts to better himself as a person. I don't necessarily know that. I know that he's like spending time with his family, but I don't know what else he has done to change his behavior. Um, I'm also looking for contrition. Like I want to see that he feels guilty and regretful for what he did. Um, and I don't know if I've seen enough from him. And before I got on the pod, I was like, you know what? Maybe I'm being too harsh. And maybe I don't, I haven't been following his story enough over the past several years. Like I know everything that's happened with his golf matters and his back injury and, and um, all that stuff. But I don't know enough about his personal life to know that he's made a comeback. Like what are we deeming as a comeback? Is it just like loving his kids? And not not cheating and not getting into trouble is that what we are considering a comeback, or is it asking more from him as becoming a better man and realizing what he did to his family? So, and I was just thinking about that. I was like, why do I take this so personally? And I don't want to go too long and dominate the conversation, but I'll keep it short. But I think the thing that bugs me is that because I was a part of the media and this was our job. When this broke out, you guys remember, like I was in Miami when I was covering this story. And when news broke of that 2009 golf club incident, his car accident happened at like 2 a.m., we're like, what in the world is going on? So then that breaks out. And then within the next couple of weeks, then we start hearing things about his personal life. One girl, another girl. Okay, so maybe there's like some infidelity going on, marriage problems. But then there's another girl and another girl and another girl and a stripper and a porn star. And then we find out that these affairs are going on, not for like months, not for a year, but two plus years. And then we find out about another girl who was having an affair while Elin was pregnant. And I think, so that's the problem that I have is because it was so hurtful and damaging to his family. And it's not like he didn't have kids. 
Chow, you know, as a father, what it is like to now be responsible for another human being. Can you imagine going off and turning your back on Mindy and your son and going off and having fun with another girl? I, and he I did would... this with two children. Oh, yeah. So I'm, I'm not defending that at all. But before I uh, fully answer, I do want to welcome another special guest to our pod because you know how we do it on the FOB pod. We just bring in more and more people because we want a diverse um, – we want a bunch of diverse reactions. And LZ Granderson, you know him from ESPN. You know him from CNN. You know him from the LA Times. He's everywhere. Uh, D-A-Z-N. Das, I, I don't actually know how to say the, the new um, – The zone. The zone. <laughs> Jesus, Carrie. <laughs> LZ Granderson uh, joining us now to talk a little tiger. Um, but LZ, what up, LZ? Thanks for joining What's us. What's up? What is up? I'm sitting here and I'm learning that one thing I should not do is cross prem. That's what I'm learning. So far. <laughs> oh my god! You didn't, oh, you didn't know that wow. before. Well, I, I, I had a suspicion. Am I coming really aggressive? Well, I, I thought <laughs> just a little prim, just a little. Well, I knew that there was a good chance you would cut me if I crossed you. Now I definitely know that you would cut me if I crossed you. So. <laughs> Thank you for I mean, answering that question. Uh, but, uh, Prim, I will say one thing. I mean, and, yeah. and we'll, we'll talk about the, the mental aspect as well. If we are to believe that he had a sexual addiction, then then, then that is kind of like a disease that he was dealing with, where he's not thinking no like a normal human being like you, me, or Carrie, or LZ, where we might have certain morals. If you, if you have a sexual addiction, you can't see everything in black and white, right? No question. Yes, yes. And that was something that I challenged myself on. And there's, you are not the only one that's brought that up. And for me to be an aspiring uh, psychologist and counselor and therapist, then that would not be um, responsible or professional of me to dismiss that aspect because I absolutely believe that addiction is addiction. I don't care if it's overworking or drugs or eating, whatever it is, or, or sex. I think addiction is addiction. It's a, it's a coping mechanism to cover up something else, usually a yeah. lot of pains that stem from our childhood. And there's okay. no question that there were some deep and dark things that went through his childhood. And the problem that I have wrestling with that is that I, I do think that he was using sex as a way to cope with some of the things that he had dealt with in the past. And, you know, if we're going to dive deep, then maybe there is some blame to go um, uh, towards his parents who were very, as we know, controlling. Yeah, but we don't um, know enough, you know. Actually, yeah. well, so we do. I, I do want to touch do on know. that. There's a, there, yeah. was a, there was a great book. Yeah. Did you guys read the book by Armin Katain and Jeff yep. Benedict about Tiger? I've like, not read it, but I was definitely digging deep on it, too. I just feel like that it's, it's strange to diagnose somebody without knowing them or meeting them, right? Yeah. It, that's fair. But then – so this is like our job, right, as journalists. Well, I, I used to be kind of a journalist. I don't know what the hell I am anymore, but – like, I know. You can't even pronounce the zone. I don't call you a zone. It's D-A-Z-N. Like, come on, guys. This guy is an old man. 
<laughs> Dazzin? What's Dazzin? I'll tell you what. <laughs> also, by the way, I also don't think that it's – Tiger doesn't need to keep the public aware of his – No. His, no, he doesn't. That's weird what, to and, me. And, I mean I, I think his life played out in the public in a humiliating fashion already. I mean that's kind of like what – that's kind of like what he had to pay his dues right there but no, and his punishment. But if you – so the book – If you go to Vegas though, so the so that book that we're talking about – they did, and these. This book was written by two very reputable authors, um, Jeff Benedict and Armin Katayan. So they they interviewed over two hundred and fifty people to really dive deep, and they wanted to tell a story. Um, but if he didn't want his life to be played out in public, why would he spend months and years flying himself out to Vegas to have this private life? Hanging out, partying, doing whatever he wants with multiple women, gambling, and he was a huge gambler. Like yeah, the but story it, it wasn't out, out in the open though, and I think that's what it's. It was it all. It, Prim, we talk so much about psychology, and to me, mm. this is where I find it so fascinating about Tiger. I don't know, right? And and it's going to sound like I'm becoming an apologist, but I think part of that is this sense of I didn't know how I was going to feel about him, right? So when I was watching it, it turned out I supported him more uh, than I expected. And that's for a multitude of reasons, part of which we'll get into because of the part Asian, because he's multicultural. He's from Southern California like me. But then the thing is, growing up, so we talk about Tiger's upbringing, and it was a very awkward upbringing to compare to at least i'll say to compare to my upbringing right so he was a child prodigy at golf clearly he was he was a super awkward kid and i don't think we can emphasize that enough because he was super awkward but he has this incredible gift and his dad would thrust him into the into the public now i'm not going to put everything on earl here because his mom was also very strong you know in the book and showed her strength in different ways much very much like a stereotypical asian would right so in when he was growing up he's super awkward but yet he has this gift and the only way he knows how to express that gift and to succeed is to be hyper competitive and to dominate like a terminator right that's how he knows to get that to to act that's how he achieves success as a human he doesn't know how to just say hello to people like he's that socially awkward and all of a sudden you've been growing up this way for so long and then you're thrust into the public spotlight and now People just give you things and he doesn't know any better. Like he, I, again, I'm not, it sounds like I'm an apologist and, you know, I guess whatever, but he just, he doesn't know how to react because this is all he's ever. But is that the excuse that we want to use? Listen, I want to, I want to soften my tone and say like, the more I read about his history and everything that you're pointing out, Chow, about how tough his father was and that he was in today, in today's world, he would be deemed abusive. Um, and his mother was very stern in her own ways. And so no question that they shaped him into somebody who was very dominant, potentially sociopathic and narcissistic. Um, but at what point do we draw the line and say like, okay, this person needs to be held accountable and he's an adult now. And oh, Tiger should be. Choices. Oh, no, no. Tiger should, 100%. I'm not saying he shouldn't be held accountable. No, I don't think anyone is saying that. But we're, the question is like, how did he get to why he's, acting the way he is, right? So mm -hmm. I, I think I'm saying his upbringing is why he acted the way he did. And then when he lost his dad, then shit was like, okay, it's over for me. I'm, I'm going to 
my id is going to take over and I'm going to do whatever the hell I want. And then I can't control this. And this is what's, this is what's begotten. The biggest thing is like, if you're going to act that way, don't get married, right? Like, obviously don't be an idiot. Who's going to hurt other people. Like 1000%, but, but do it the dare Jeter way. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. But the thing is with Tiger, he's also trying to appease his family, right? He knows his family wants like the beautiful, the beautiful wife, kids, grand grandkids, like it's, he's all, it's all pressure, right? His whole life is just pressure from different people, including the media, including us. And again, like I'm not, I feel like now I'm being pushed more towards like an apologist than I, than my actual stance. I don't think, I, just, I don't think you're necessarily being an apologist. What I, what I believe is that you're separating different aspects of who he is. There's the public tiger and there's the private tiger. And I think that because so much of his privacy was made public, we feel as if the privacy is public, but it still is private. He still should be allowed to both have personal and, per and, and personal successes and failures without the entire public dissecting every aspect of his being. I don't particularly care for Tiger Woods as a person that I've seen vis-a-vis -vis the media, and nor do I care about golf. I didn't watch one single swing of the Masters this year. But I don't think that it's fair necessarily to to run his entire public private life through a public lens because he was exposed as if it's all on equal footing. I don't, don't think I'm an apologist. I just really don't give a damn that he cheated on his wife. It's not my business. And I think, and that's yeah. what I was pointing out before. It because it totally. That's why everybody has a different opinion because it really depends upon like who you are as a person, what is shaping your lens. And, you know, for LZ, and, and everybody is entitled to their own opinion. Like, LZ doesn't care about his, necessarily his private life or, or him cheating on his wife. And I do, you know, and mm -hmm. that, that's okay. Like, we can have that, that difference in, in opinion. Um, and then when it comes to, like, the racial matters, you know, I think that's, that's another layer for me. For me, it's not just, I don't want to come off as if I'm like this, Full on like woman movement and, um, you know, like girl power and all this stuff. Like, it's not just about the cheating. There's also the cultural element as well. Um, that he doesn't, that he doesn't embrace his Asianness yeah, exactly. or his blackness or any, or anything. He just stays neutral. Is that what upsets you? Yeah. Like I think, you know, and I tried to dig deep a little bit more, um, and, and try to find out some more facts because I was just basing this off of the Thai community and hearsay. And there's been, um, you know, members of larger Asian American or Asian Thai organizations that have said things like, you know what, we've tried to reach out or there have been organizations or teams where they have wanted to recognize him and award him things, but he has yet to show up and accept any of those awards. The royalty reached out to him and invited him um, and he re he did not acknowledge and, and didn't even take a visit to visit the Thai royalty um, because he had a busy schedule. Um, so there are just those things where like he has distanced himself, not only from the Asian community, but from what I found out in hearing from other people, like from the black community too. I think Tiger has always, he cares a lot about his image. And I think he cares so much that he just wants to be liked by everybody. So he stays neutral. He doesn't want to identify with any one thing. That's how I have always taken it. 
And, you know, look, people can disagree with that and people might be upset about that. I actually interviewed his dad, Earl. Uh, I did a story a long time ago at the Kansas City Star about athletes who grew up as, um, in a, you know, basically as an only child and how they became prodigies. And Tiger was one of them. And I got a chance to interview Earl. And I told Earl that I was Ty. And Earl said, Earl really liked that. He loved hearing that. And we had this really long phone conversation. And he said, you know, Tiger, the first five years that he grew up, basically spoke Thai to his mom. His mom spoke nothing but Thai to him. He went to the Thai temple all the time, and he grew up so Thai, according to Earl. The Earl said, we thought it was starting to impact his English. So we, so we backed off of that, and we just basically kind of stopped talking Thai to him. But he was like, if you notice on his golf bag, he has written in Thai, um, Chun Luck Man, which means I love mom. And also, even that back in like 2010, uh, but even when he was in his heyday, you would often see this little yellow band around his wrist, which basically is called a Sai Sin. And if you're Buddhist, when you go to a Thai temple, you can have a monk basically put on this little piece of string. And as they're tying it, they say a prayer. And it's supposed to kind of give you good luck, but also protect you from bad things. And so Tiger had this too. So Everything I've always seen from Tiger, yes, he might be ashamed or not ashamed. I won't even say ashamed. He, I think he wants to stay neutral and he wants to stay liked by everybody. So he doesn't align himself with any one thing. But to me, I've seen enough signs to me of his tininess, especially his mom being around all the time. And so, like, I feel like, you know, there's a bond between those two. And I feel like there's enough tie in him that I can identify them. I know that a long time ago, he and his mom went to Thailand and they kind of did like a, a talk show tour. And he wouldn't really identify, and I think this is what my mom, my parents were telling me about, about how Thais feel in Thailand about Tiger, was that they were a little put off because he wouldn't come out and say, I'm Thai. And I guess I don't really hold a grudge on him in that because I can see why he wants to stay neutral to everybody. And I, know, I understand why everybody has a problem with that, too. LZ, how do you feel about his blackness? I mean, I can only accept what a person says about their own you know, self-identity and I've yet to see, maybe I've missed it, but I've yet to see any sort of statement from him that says, I am African-American, I am black, I am a person of color. He has referred to himself as a minority, um, which perhaps means that he recognizes or at least wants to characterize his being as a mixture of his two ethnicities. Or it could be an option for him to use in order to distance himself from all things black. Because when you start saying I'm a black athlete, comes a sort of level of cultural expectations. There's also a certain degree of political expectations. And maybe he didn't want to be bothered with any of that. But as soon as he said that, you know, basically I'm not black, I'm like Calibanasian or whatever. Cablin Asian. Right? Yeah. Calabasan yeah, yeah. or whatever the term is that he, he came up with. Calabasan. <laughs> Um, I just said, all right, you know, well, you can't come to the, you know, to the barbecue um, when it's time for the greens and, 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 and barbecue ribs to pass around. We're going to pass you over because that's your option. But, you know, we're always going to be here for you when and if you decide that you want to embrace that aspect of your being. Because when you look at the police report and they pulled your mm -hmm. ass over and they described who you were. They didn't say you were Calabasan or whatever the phrase is that you use. They Cab said black Cablin dude. Asian. Oh, thank you. Thank you. They said you were they said you were a black dude. So, you know, I'm right. sorry if they didn't recognize the complexity that you're trying to communicate, but there is a reality 
like it or not, and not just in America, but just globally, in which we still, to much sadness, characterize each other based on colorization and ethnicity. This isn't just simply an American problem. You can go in many, many countries. Naomi Osaka has wrestled with that. Right. She's both Haitian as well as Japanese. So it's not just an American issue, but he made a, a conscious effort to characterize in a way in a certain place. A certain place. Well, I don't need him to be black in order to be black. I don't need him to be black in order for the black community to thrive. I just simply think it's a missed opportunity that isn't completely gone because there's still opportunities for him to, in fact, embrace himself in that way, as well as provide himself as being a beacon to help others. You know, LZ, during the thread that, that Prim started on Twitter, there was a complex sport. Somebody retweeted us, or retweeted me, and sent um, a little video clip of when Tiger was like a teenager. And the quote is, the way blacks have been treated there, and I'm assuming he's talking about the Masters, they shouldn't, they shouldn't be there. If I win that tournament, it'd be really big for us. So maybe that's like the one time that he's kind of, kind of hinted at seeing himself as black. But, you know, I was wondering, too, how much you think, LZ, because you're also in politics, like how much the political world, how much do you think that his association, whatever it may be with Trump, also kind of turns people off. Like Trump's going to give him like the medal, the, the medal of freedom. Well, I, I think it's, you know, it's, it's, it's interesting, right? Because as we know, uh, President Trump has a complex relation, a, a complicated relationship with minorities globally, period. A relationship that wasn't that complicated, at least not publicly, when he was just a reality TV star. But if you go back and you look at the books that have been written about him throughout the course of his public life, it was pretty clear that 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 Donald Trump had certain viewpoints about minorities that were somewhat distasteful. And even through that, he still managed to not just court Tiger Woods, but also, you know, the Democratic nominee, Hillary Clinton, and her husband, Bill Clinton. He was able to attract that of other great athletes of note, like a Herschel Walker. So Donald Trump, the person, very much like Tiger Woods, the person, is a complicated person. And you have to ask yourself how much of this narrative is based upon maximizing opportunistic opportunities versus their true feelings about themselves or the world at large. Um, so I don't think an association simply with Donald Trump in and of itself means he's a bad person, because to do that, you have to disappoint about 65 million Democrats who voted for Hillary Clinton, <laughs> because he is certainly in plenty of photographs and has a relationship with the Clintons. I, I kind of want to go... Back to what LZ, what you were saying about you know he's he's invited to the cookout, but he can't exactly he can come back to the cookout, you know, but he's not exactly. We're waiting for him to to fully like embrace. For me, when I was watching him, and people don't think of him outsider. When I say outsider, I, I mean like the general public. They look at him as black, right? They look at him just like that police report saying black. They don't really see him as half Asian American. And that's the thing that we constantly are always touting, like always have tie. And the thing that what I found interesting, and I had a long text conversation with Prim's husband, Ben, about this, is that- I love Ben. Shouts out to you, Ben. <laughs> is I was wondering, like, he's like, is just being Asian enough for you? And it started making me really think, right? Like it just being Asian enough, to, enough for you to support him because he hasn't really embraced like being Asian. He's embraced like the Kaplan Asian approach, right? The multiracial thing. But then I was also thinking to think that Tiger Woods has not helped race relations in this country 
is super naive. Like, if you remember that Nike I Am Tiger Woods commercial, yeah. that shit was fucking amazing. Like, oh, we, we can curse in the podcast? Oh, we can. Oh, this, anything goes on this one. LZ, oh. LZ, drop your <laughs> F bombs all you want. Yo, I was being straight Disney on this podcast. I didn't realize. I oh, no. This is we no 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 no. This is Pinocchio, man. We got no strings attached, as I've as oh. I've said before. Um, but so Tiger Woods, though, if you think about walking around, and I, you know, I've lived in, we've all lived in very um, uh, in locations where there are very few minorities, and when you walk you can around this place, you can say very white. It's okay. <laughs> you dancing all around it and stuff. You can just say yeah. that. <laughs> we've dan we've we've all um lived and been to predominantly white neighborhoods and to think what tiger woods has done in his career it has definitely changed people like borderline people people who are on the fence even like a hardcore race like it's not and i'm not exaggerating to say like oh the, he has changed people's minds just in golf alone the people who are going to golf courses the people who are going to country clubs and people who've had certain preconceptions about other races They've seen Tiger Woods and they're like, oh, hey, what do you know? I didn't really know that the black dude was going to be like this. OK, that's cool. You're not like you're not super black. You're definitely not Asian, super Asian. But you know what? He seems to be on the golf course carrying himself in a certain way and carrying himself in a certain I, way. This I, is all pre this is all pre uh, affairs. Right? I mean, I, w I would say, Carrie, to your point, like I've covered some pretty white events like NASCAR and golf. I yeah. follow Tiger Woods at several tournaments, walking hole to hole with him. And I don't think – and golf is a really, really white sport, and I do think that they do see a lot of color at a lot of different golf courses and, and sometimes in a bad way. But with Tiger Woods – and maybe I'm wrong about this – it's like they don't see color anymore sometimes. They just yeah. cheer for him. They love him. And you could make the argument – I mean maybe outside of Michael Jordan, I don't know. LZ could probably you know check me on this, but um, – is there another athlete, another minority athlete who has brought together more races and especially more white people to cheer for a minority than maybe Tiger Woods? Because Tiger Woods has basically gone past the golf landscape. It's like everybody. When he oh, plays in the totally. Masters, everybody watches who doesn't even like golf. He is LZ Michael Jordan. But, but yeah, I mean, is there what other athlete has had that kind of impact? So he probably has brought more people of color, more more white people looking at minorities and chair minorities in a different way than anybody else. And then what does that, but that conversation goes back to something that we constantly harp on when we go to these places that are predominantly white and they have not seen different colors, different races. And sometimes they'll say racist shit, but guess what? It's not out of like, hate. remember we've, we've talked about this before. It's about, it's out of ignorance. Like they literally have not seen these people. So they will ask questions that are ignorant as all hell. I know I have. I've received all those questions like, hey, what are you Chinese or are you Asian? Like that's a legit question that I received. And but that's well, not which my point. Are you? <laughs> I'm Kaplan Asian, man. I'm Kaplan Asian. Get us straight. Um, He's Chinasian. <laughs> and and then the whole thing is, okay, you have this discussion with him, with whatever individual, and then they're like, oh, okay. Well, shoot, they just learned a little something about a different culture, right? And it's not like – it's not always going to be as Disney-fied as something like that. But those opportunities can happen, and I'm saying Tiger Woods helped do that. And from that perspective, he was a, a 
trailblazer in terms of culture. And that's one of the things when I watch him, I do support and I'm like, yes, I love it. And the fact that he's not always like, he doesn't harp on all his Asian shit like that. I mean, do I wish I mean, he but, did? But, yeah, but then, you know, uh, I wish. Here, I mean, here, honestly, Kerry. I was gonna say, Kerry, he doesn't. Tiger to me strikes me as a guy who doesn't want that responsibility, uh, for right or wrong. And may maybe a lot of us don't like that about him, and we we blame him for that. And we want him to handle that responsibility. He just wants to play golf and be who he is. He doesn't want that. I don't. Tiger's never struck me as a guy who wants to carry the flag for ties, for Asians, for totally. blacks, for Native Americans. He just doesn't want that, but it's been thrust on him, and we kind of some Hello? people hold but him accountable for that. Why would his father then say many years ago, like, I believe my son is going to be an agent for social change and I'm, he's going to be the next new Gandhi. Well, look, look, Earl Woods, Earl Woods was a lot, was probably LeVar Ball before LeVar Ball. Right. Okay. So Earl Woods said a lot of things, but Earl Woods was right about that. I'm not saying he's at the level of Gandhi, but we just spoke about how he might've had a bigger impact than any other athlete on minorities and bringing white people to cheer for a minority than maybe any other athlete we've known. So Earl Woods isn't that far off on that. For one, I don't think that's necessarily altogether true. Um, a lot of white people cheer for Jesse Owens. They just didn't want Jesse Owens in their backyard being their neighbors marrying their daughters. But in America, when Jesse Owens was, was quote-unquote, fighting Hitler vis-a-vis -vis the track and field, he had the country behind him. When you look at right. it, if you want to go World fast forward, patriotism. if you want to fast oh, forward one, know, a few decades... Uh, you had you know, many, many uh, white NBA fans actually cheering for Magic Johnson simply because they enjoyed his brand of basketball. Even though he was going up against white Jesus, Larry Bird, they preferred the Showtime brand of basketball versus Larry Bird's. And so they would cheer for Magic Johnson. Obviously, we know about Tiger, not Tiger, but Michael Jordan. Um, Serena Williams has begun to cross over in a way that she didn't early in her career. Maybe that has something to do with her father being less present. Maybe that has something to do again with patriotism. And in fact, an American gets to be the all time great again in this sport. I'm not quite sure, but I do know there have been plenty of examples dating back almost a hundred years of white Americans getting behind a person of color in a sporting event as long as this, as long as they stayed in their lane. And that is where I get to Tiger Woods. I'm sure Tiger Woods is being embraced and can be seen as someone who crosses over in a lot of different ways. But if you're cheering for someone playing golf, that's cool. But a true crossing over and embracing of a person is their entirety. And that means the person who's cheering for golf may be upset when they hear about an incident of accidental or intentional racism. But I'm not seeing that. I'm not seeing that level of crossover. I'm seeing you being cheered while you're playing golf, but then when I'm looking on television and you hear about the disparity in the poverty rate or the education rate or any socioeconomic metric, I'm not seeing that sort of rallying cry, if you will, being translated that way. So I don't necessarily think, simply because you're clapping politely for someone knocking a small ball into a hole, as many as if you're all of a sudden Gandhi. Guys, I think I want to bring in now, uh, we have yet another special guest because that's what we do on the Faw Pod. Uh, f actually, a friend of the Faw Pod, he's familiar with us. He talked about Serena Williams before and Naomi Osaka, filmmaker extraordinaire. And he actually, he actually, he was recently named uh, on the 30 under 30 Forbes list. So 
certainly a dude to watch out for. And it also shows like he's younger than all of us. So screw him. Justin Ching back in the house. Justin, what's up, man? What's good, everyone? I just want to point out, I literally turned 30 like maybe a month and a half ago. So I guess I'm 31 under 31 now. Yeah, sucker. You ain't on that list anymore then. Uh, so, Justin, obviously. You're we're, a fraud, we're t- man. You're a fraud. <laughs> fraud. Fake news. Fake news. Uh, Justin, we're talking, we're talking Tiger. And in a text message, you just sent me, have we mentioned OJ? So I'm really curious as to what you are going to say right now. Yeah, look, I, I think there's a couple things that I was thinking about with Tiger. I mean, first of all, you know. I think we all thought about his, we all had a moment where we were trying to reconcile his sort of personal life and what he means as an athlete in our world. So I think his personal and professional lives, it's kind of tough because we love a, a great redemption story in sports. But in this situation, I think, you know, you guys may have mentioned Sarah Spain's article before and her thoughts. You know, there were a lot of personal transgressions. There were a lot built out of his own his own actions that he had to be held accountable for and so it's kind of hard sometimes i think in a situation like this to know like like how to react um upon further review my initial reaction of course was was fanfare i i cried when he roared again like i my mom and i both wore our tiger woods black Nike caps, the white swoosh that I only wear because I, I saw Tiger wearing that growing up. I was wearing a red shirt on that Sunday. Like I was all there for it, but I, I definitely had this moment for me as like a more woke sports fan, or I was trying to think through this a little bit more. And I think that one of the things that I've always thought of when it comes to Tiger is, and these aren't even necessarily my words, I'll, I'll quote Jay-Z and do you one better. You know, when Jay-Z talks about OJ, Orenthal James Simpson, you know, he, he makes that, uh, he has that bar where he's like, OJ, like, I'm not black, I'm OJ. Okay. OJ, like, I'm not black, I'm OJ. Okay. House nigga, don't fuck with me. I'm a like, nigga. And what he's saying is that, <laughs> And if you look into the liner notes of, of that song, you know, he mentions Tiger and he draws a comparison between the two of them because he's basically saying like, hey, look, like OJ was this guy who thought he was above the culture, i.e. above black culture, being a black man in America, because he'd become so famous that he that white people loved him. He was universally loved and he performed his race like a white person going to Brentwood country clubs and pretending like somehow he wasn't, you know, he wasn't um, going to be seen as a black man if he ever slipped up. Now, regardless of what you think OJ is guilty or not, that's a whole other different topic for a different podcast. But I'm saying like when that when he was arrested and accused of murder, all of a sudden you saw that that it became the trial of the century in America, not just because of his celebrity, but because of what it meant for race relations in America at the time in LA at a point in time where we were fresh off of Rodney King and he sort of represented this like racial divide and even his representation, you know, with Johnny Cochran taking the case in a way that represented that divide. 
And so I think that it's interesting. What I'm getting to here is I think that what Jay was pointing out when he is comparing OJ and Tiger, he's basically saying like, look, Tiger, as a even as a mixed race person, has benefited in a similar way where he plays in a white man sport and is one of those people who became this universal star, but then sort of saw himself above the culture. You know, everyone has their personal choices, but you know, he clearly married a white wife and operated amongst this very white ecosystem of friends. But the moment that he slipped up, and he's and don't get me wrong, I'm not comparing Tiger and OJ slip ups, but I am saying that like once Tiger had personal failures that then became professional failures, we're we're kind of in this world where like at his lowest, like people were abandoning him like he was the plague and and vilifying him in a way that I don't think they would have if he was a, a white athlete in a white sport. Then, he would he would never have been as big though. Yeah, but let me let me get to this this punchline here. Now, you know, he wins he wins the Masters. We're all back on board the Tiger train and even like Mr. Maga himself, Donald Trump is getting on Twitter to support Tiger in a way that I don't think I've ever seen him ever speak in support of, of another black man who wasn't a part of his cabinet, period. And I was like, That's, that that like epitomizes, I think, this weird dichotomy when it comes to Tiger Woods. Total- you articulated it so well, Justin, because like I think that's the problem that I have is that I don't think I've ever seen people like the masses jump back on a on an athlete's bandwagon so quickly because I feel like they hold it against, they hold other athletes somehow way more accountable. And for whatever reason, Tiger just has a, a power, um, an indescribable uh, power that transcends so many different groups and cultures. And I think that was just the problem that I had. Is because we're, I don't know. Prim, for me, for me, that that power that you speak of is yeah. was is time actually. Like as we get older, we become more emotional, right? Like things things become more sentimental, more nostalgic. And as I was watching Tiger, again, this is all caught me by surprise by my reaction because feeling our feelings are our feelings, right? We can't control them; they just happen. And as I was watching this, I think I was starting to think back in 1997 when he won that first one. And I was just, you know, I'm still sitting at home. I'm a I'm a high school uh, teen. And I'm thinking like, oh, my God, look at this. Look at this black guy, half Asian. He's half Asian, too. Guys, he's half Asian. And my mom would be like, yeah, he's half Asian. Like my mom doesn't know shit about sports. Right. And she's like, who is this Tiger Woods? This is incredible. And similar to what Justin was saying, like, I felt a bond with my mom. I felt this. There was something that I felt with him that I hadn't felt watching a lot of other athletes. And then as time has gone by and we watched such tremendous success on the course. Right. And then for the long and we didn't know anything about off the course. And then he has this tremendous fall from grace that is all self-inflicted. There's I mean. I, you know, I talked about the psychology of how he got there, but it is still it's self-inflicted, right? Like he put himself in that situation. He fucked up. But then like as he's fallen and then 
this rise again to barely being able to walk a couple years ago because it's like swinging hurt, like all these things. And then now here he was again at the top of his at the top of his profession, doing these things that were nothing short of magnificent. Right. And that's when it just that's when those emotions hit me. And it wasn't because of it was certainly wasn't about golf because I could give two shits about golf. But it was about the time. They had invested so much time in watching this guy. And even his fall from grace. Like, I would never, like, I mean, you know, you asked, like, would I ever cheat on Mindy and things like that? Of course not, right? Like, and it sickens me. But then the other thing is, like, we view, I view, like, people I know, my friends, so differently than these celebrities that we cover. And we often talk about, like, you know, they're human beings just like us. But th- there's a different type of mentality when I look at these people. Like, if I, if one of my good friends cheated on his wife, I'd be like, yo, what, what's your problem, man? Like, how you do something like that? Meanwhile, when I see Tiger Woods do it, I – this sounds shallow or insensitive, but I shrug my shoulders. I'm not, not to the degree, like, of LZ, like, not giving a F, but I was kind of like – Yo, dude, I'm, I'm not surprised. I, when when all these women started popping up out of nowhere, I'm like, I'm not surprised. I'm not surprised at really? all because he, he was like so even... he was so awkward. This is what I talk about. Like yeah. this is he was so awkward for the longest time, and all of a sudden, all these supermodels were throwing themselves at him. He was like the nerd who couldn't get a girl, and, and all of a sudden now he's in the candy shop and can have everything he wants. If he was in a candy shop, I don't think he would have got clowned in the same way. It was yeah, also the, exactly. the occupations. Of the women, it was also how some yeah. people view the attractive yeah. level of the women. He got clowned I mean, like, for a think, lot of reasons. I think that, like, yeah. the thing for me, actually, and upon further review, to be honest with you, like at the time in 08, 09 when it was happening, in my mind, I definitely my my initial defense was like he's just like another athlete, but because he's in a white sport, people are gonna like assassinate his character in a way they wouldn't, you know, if he was a basketball player. Because you're not used to seeing golfers like rock stars, period. Second of all, you know, nonetheless, a golfer who's able to like pull like this and have groupies and things like that. But honestly, upon further review, especially like in a post, like in this sort of Me Too, post Me Too world, this Me Too sort of era that we're in right now, we're re-examining these relationships between men and women, especially like. Upon further review today, I think it looks a lot worse. Like, I, time yeah. is not. Well, a that's. But that. Well, that's a, you. Like you said, it's oh eight oh nine. That felt like ages ago. And I think a lot yeah. of people, like Prim, was like, I don't understand why people jumped on the bandwagon so quickly. Well, I mean, that thing happened like over like ten years ago. So there's a lot of people that probably it doesn't even resonate with them anymore. You know, like Prim's still holding it personally. I understand that, and probably a lot of people do. <laughs> But I think there's a lot of people also that are just like, that thing happened a long time ago, and that was ages ago. I think there's also also a degree of... But there's also a degree of the fact that it's grown folks' business. And what I mean by that is, as I said earlier, there's a clear delineation between your personal life and your public life. And I think after a while, people sort of... After the initial salaciousness of the story people were reminded either through their own personal failures or just with a little bit of time that it's really between him and his wife and his kids and perhaps the women that he decided to to hook up with. It really has nothing to do with the casual golf fan in Montana or the golf fan in Arizona or what have you. 
It's just the salaciousness of the story made it felt like it was your business, but really it wasn't. No more your business than what went down between Hillary Clinton, or I mean Bill Clinton, and Monica Lewinsky. Yeah, he was salacious, and yeah, he perjured himself when he was asked questions about it, but he perjured himself being asked questions by a bunch of men who were also doing the same damn thing. And so when you really start <laughs> to peel back and we get past the Puritan aspect of American culture and just get real with it, we realize that there are different levels of relationships. We really don't know what they agreed or didn't agree upon between the two private adults, and that maybe it was just a matter of you can do whatever you want as long as I don't find out, and the embarrassment comes from the fact that it became public and not just because you did it. We don't know. And that's why I like to stay out of grown folks' business, because everyone has their own set of rules. We have an idea of what we think things should go, but we also have lived long enough and we've gotten far enough away from our Puritan basis that we know that things happen. And by the way, like, that's, I think, just quickly, I just want to say, like, I think that's all very fair. I think that, like, that's why you have to put qualifications around how you feel about the story, like, I think Serena's tweet was very carefully crafted, even though it seemed in the moment. You're like, oh, she was really speaking to his, like, physical injuries and the ups and downs yeah. of his career. I don't think she absolved anything from his personal transgressions as, like, sort of a, a current feminist icon in sports. I think that would have that would have felt very, very strange. Sorry, Prem. Go ahead. No, no. Um, I, I think... I think... The problem that I have with all of this, and it's not that I don't want to celebrate Tiger, because I do. I really do. I mean, why wouldn't I? As somebody who loves sports and played sports her whole life, like, why wouldn't I want to celebrate, like, this great comeback? And for me, it's just about looking at the overall picture, right? I'm not, I really don't want to just pick apart his, his personal life that pertains to his marriage and relationships. I think it's just everything overall, you know, because I look at, I hear about his, his childhood. It's like, okay, his parents, very controlling, very deep, dark past, potentially abusive father. Okay. So then there's that. And then, you know, as a teenager and into his twenties, he was very aloof and somewhat stoic and cold. And as Chow mentioned earlier, like he even had troubles saying hello or thank you or reaching out because his father was like that. Okay. There's that. And then he's on tour and then he apparently is a horrible tipper. And so tour officials would tip people like a hundred bucks just to cover him, cover for him. You know, so there's that. And then there's also the racial component where I don't expect him to come out and say like, Hey, I'm Thai. Like I love it. And to go over there and like, you know, fly over there every single year. And I, I don't need that, but it tells me something about somebody if not just the Thai community, but the black community and other people as well. They feel a distancing from him. And when LZ was talking about like missed opportunities, like that's just what I think of when I think of Tiger, because I think he's doing an amazing job in terms of like tearing down certain barriers. But I think he is missing certain opportunities. Like when I think of Serena Williams, I think it's somebody who's like really, really flourishing today. Like she is known and LZ and Ohm, I know you guys are in the tennis world, so correct me if I'm wrong, but like before earlier in her career and also Venus, they were very kind of like off Spanish with the media, like not as open. They were very focused on their tennis, but over the yeah. past several years, because of her child, because of her, her marriage, maybe that's the influence of her husband who is very high up in the tech world and startup um, industry. Like she is 
now going on to the, the Today Show and like opening up and, and talking about woman empowerment and racial matters. Like that to me, and talking about like being a mother, like that's, you know, that's awesome. You know what me. it is, Prim? I, you're, you're right on a lot of these things. He's had every opportunity to do this. Maybe it's my fault that I've kind of accepted who he is and that he's not going to be that guy and that he's going to be Mr. Neutral and he's not going to identify with mm. any of things. And then I've kind of become okay with that because he doesn't want to be that guy. And I don't, if he doesn't want to be that guy, why force it into him? I, I understand he could be so much bigger than what he is and could mean so much more to all of us. But I think I've just kind of accepted who he is. I mean, this is this is who he is. I don't think he's going to change. Listen, he might be every, able to change, but who knows? I mean, look, every, if I'm going to keep it 100. Everyone has their journey. Everyone has to, and you know, I know a lot of and have known a lot of positive athletes over the years. You know, gay people who are very good at their sports, who if they came out, may be able to change certain things for the LGBT community in the country. Right. But they're not, they don't want to. For a variety of reasons it's fear it's not wanting to carry the banner it's you know not feeling as if they're the right person it's not really caring variety of reasons why they don't come out and while it might be true that they're coming out to help a whole bunch of people um you have to be the right person you have to want to take that smoke and everyone's not ready to take that to, to deal with that smoke and sometimes at least when it comes to the lgbtq community we heap on a great deal of responsibility of celebrities who come out because we're expecting them to now be our champions when they're still trying to champion their own lives. And you have to allow people to come to their own conclusions and their own place in their own time. And I think that's also true of whether you talk about gender issues as well as issues in terms of religion as well as race. Just because you're of something doesn't mean you're ready to be the captain of that group. One of the things I also want to put into context here is if you look at the era of sports that Tiger came out of, it was this weird era where we had these like global superstar athletes for the first time, but they, they didn't necessarily have that social responsibility. Like Jordan famously said, Republicans buy sneakers too. Tiger took the Nike mantle or just the mantle of being, you know, the largest superstar athlete in the world from Jordan. Which you know, by the way, so MJ, was, MJ Jordan never us, said that, by the way. Oh really? Is that is that all? No. That's, that's is that, what about what about Barkley? Yeah. What about Barkley saying that athletes aren't role models? Now Barkley, that's re he's retired. He's actually taken a pretty strong step forward in terms of social responsibility. He's got a TNT show examining race. He seems like he's once again involved in public service. I, I was just trying to say that Tiger also still has time. If he's got time to win three or four more majors and pass Jack, he also has time to try to come that's into a good his point. own as someone who carries the banner for not just one race, but two and in a world where we need that. I think though it, that is spot on about like the time and place of where we are, because I agree it, it is, you have to be the right person to take the mantle, but tiger is not of that, that time of that era in which we are as woke as we are now. You see like LeBron now and we, we, for the most part, all, everyone here is huge LeBron fans in terms of his, his social activism. Would LeBron have done that when he was in the late '90s? Like, who's to say? Like, we don't we don't know, right? That's a hypothetical. But if you well, were you know, this global superstar back then, like your goal, because maybe because it was Michael who who set the tone, but your goal was to like sell, right? Become it was it was but, almost but, like Gordon Gecko, like become as rich as possible. LeBron, LeBron and Tiger did not grow up the same way. Like LeBron grew up in Akron, 
came up very well aware of his surroundings and, and a poor situation. Like Tiger grew up and he was basically surrounded by white people from the get-go as he was a kid. You know what yeah. I mean? Like that's and in and in the golf culture. So that's like the most uppity uppity of white no, people. No, dude, a I mean? thousand percent, right? So like even for me, like if I were to talk about my Asianness, if you met me when I if I was Tiger's age and I was seventeen years old and eighteen or whatever, we've already established how white you were, Carrie, growing up with your right, Mercedes okay. Benz. <laughs> that's what I'm. So, dude, so what if I'm the guy because if I somehow First made it, if I'm if I made it and I'm twenty. <laughs> and I'm talking about Chinese and Asian culture. Like that would be uh, that would be detrimental, as a matter of fact. Like that would that would. I not mean, listen, help listen, cause. Carrie. How different is Tiger Woods than a lot of Asians that we've met who are still that way at age forty or whatever, who never connected with their culture, grew up around, you know, grew up in a white community, and basically don't speak their language, don't teach their kids their language or anything like that. I mean, we 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 encounter a lot of them still today. Of course. Absolutely. And the thing is, though, it's not that in not to put judgment, right, because to each their own, if if that's what this, that's their prerogative to then that's fine. And but we look at it in a lens in which we're trying to feel like, OK, I used to feel this way. Now I feel this way because I did get in touch. That's why I want to open up these doors. That's why I want to, others to share that same feeling because I was in that one. I was in one boat and now I'm in a different boat. But who's to say that? That's going to be the same feeling for them, right? Like if if you grew up in yeah. one way, you know, and, and Tiger, is, this is a total hypothetical, but if Tiger never says like, yeah, I'm super Thai or I'm super black, like that's us projecting on him. Yeah, I think maybe why I accepted Tiger for who he is is again to to, to Prince point. Um, yes, I would I would have loved for him to be like I'm Mr. Thai, and that would have been awesome, but. You know, I think when I saw all the little indications and in that conversation I had with Earl Woods and seeing that he has, you know, the Buddhist good luck charm on his wrist and everything, to me, he hasn't shunned his culture privately behind the scenes. He yeah. shows some indication to me that he does know of his tightness and his culture and his, his Buddhist background. And to me, I, that's, I think that's what I latched on and I accepted. And maybe that's why, for right or wrong, I'm kind of like I haven't been as upset as you are, Prim, with him not accepting his Asianness or his blackness or anything like that, because maybe I'm just right. like he hasn't completely shunned it completely. He just doesn't want to come out and be public about it and, and like side with one side or the other. Yeah, I don't think he's quite OJ that way. Like OJ fought the narrative of him being black publicly. And I think that Tiger, I think about the noose incident. Do you guys remember this when they printed the noose on the cover of Golf Digest? Yeah. Yeah. And like it was sort of the world's reaction to like, oh, wow, like this is how out of touch the golf community is, that they think that that's an okay symbol to use to sort of explain what was happening with the PGA cracking down on him or the fields or tightening up on him. You know, when, 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 we, when we first thought that he was sort of losing a step in like the early 2000s. And like, I don't think, you know, while he wasn't necessarily LeBron in that situation speaking up, as LeBron did when he had the N-word painted on his house recently, for example. I, I do think that he handled that with acute awareness of his otherness, of his difference, you know, being in this all-white community from the from the very beginning. Like, I don't think he got up there and did what an OJ would have done, which is to say that, like, that symbol means nothing to me because it doesn't offend me because I'm not black. Like, I think that he took that in a way where you, for me at least, I remember in that moment, realizing that like he knows that the world never forgot 
is different. The world never stopped seeing him as black or Thai, even if he didn't necessarily stand up uh, as a representation for all of us, all of those people, uh, you know, on a soapbox somewhere. Like, I think when he watches the racial draft on Chappelle's show and, he's, and he saw the, you know, the fascizzle joke, like, I think that that's a joke that actually land seemed to land with him, you know, based on interviews with him about it, that it wasn't just something that felt like it was so, frankly, that he was just so blind to because he was so, uh, you know, so trying to disassociate himself from race and culture. Can I Guys. say one last thing? Oh, oh sorry. Oh, go for it, Brent. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, last thought. Final thought. Say, like, you, you know, I was just going to say, like, that's that's totally fair that not everybody is in a position, nor do they want to be um, such a huge vocal leader, such as a LeBron James or Serena Williams. I certainly wouldn't want to be that person because I just, you know, so I, I can empathize with that. But I think that I think the only thing that I want for him is just to be a good person. And if he is that and I haven't seen that, then I am happy for him. And that's what I want, because if he really is. um as loyal to his mother and to Buddhism as he has claimed to be in the past. The only thing that it the primary fundamental principles of that are just compassion and being a good person and treating people with respect. And that's really the only, and I think if he leads with that, he doesn't even have to say another word for the rest of his life, but if he just leads through that example, that he will do so much with just that. I don't know if he's a good person or not. I know he's had some some very. Yeah, I'm just being 100. I know he's yeah. had some very public failures, but he's also had some very public successes that had nothing to do with golf. I know that he's philanthropic. I know that he has certainly has used his leverage to try to create opportunities for people who didn't necessarily look like him. And while I know that the salaciousness of the cheating and the number of women he cheated with and all of that made for a really good fodder, I'm not willing to simply roundly dis to dismiss the overall character of a person because of a few things that made it across the news feed. I try to make that a, just a general sort of philosophy in terms of celebrities and people in the public life, that you may not necessarily approve of a politician's policies, you may not necessarily like the way a celebrity conducts in life or how an athlete conducts in life, but to roundly say they're a bad person without really knowing them personally, I think is taking some things that would highlight in the media and maybe going a little bit further than what's, what's is fair. Now, clearly there's examples of which people are just bad people. I think if you're a mass murderer and you go around raping and killing people, then you probably are not a good person. But that isn't this case. This is the case of someone who is a habitual cheater on his wife. And again, we don't know how much of it she was cognizant of and just turned a blind eye to or not or what the relationship was. I don't know. I haven't had those conversations with them, and nor am I interested in having those conversations with them, because as I said before, that's grown folks' business. But he's done a lot of good in the world, too, beyond just golf, and I don't want to just dismiss him as a bad guy simply because he cheated on his wife. You're new to the show, so we're, we're wrapping up here. And how we end the show, we do a bit called That's So Asian, in which we yeah. either 
reinforce or um, I order a massage. What? Wait, what? <laughs> oh, problematic. This this mother is that his answer? <laughs> LZ, you better stop it with that. <laughs> <laughs> LZ, you better LZ, you better not pull Robert Kraft, That's man. So be careful. That is so Asian. I, I, I careful. I had, I had no idea who this person was, so it was just it just kind of <laughs> took me off the bike. I want to I want to throw a quick note. I re- the first time I ever uh, worked with LZ was on first take. And um, I remember I had to toss a question to him, and I forget what the question was, but LZ responded to me with, sure, ask the gay dude first. And I did not know <laughs> <laughs> Oh, my God. I was just frozen. I think it dealt with, like, an athlete doing a slur or something like that. You started right with me. Yeah. And I was just, like, going, all right. Well, let's do this. Oh my god! <laughs> the first time I ever by the way, TV, by the way, which is only, uh, one, only one time, I was at the SPs and LZ gave me love advice. Oh, oh yeah. LZ's LZ, yeah. LZ's good at that. What by the way, the LZ's advice? my boy. What was the advice? Yeah. Yeah. What, yeah. What was it? But did it did it work? Was it <laughs> cheat on your girl? I hope it wasn't oh, cheat on no. your girl. <laughs> I'm not advocating for that, by the way. <laughs> I'm just simply look, let, saying. Look, in LZ's own words, let's just say the advice from grown folks' business. There you go. <laughs> uh, by the way, L- LZ, I haven't gotten a chance to talk to you, but for those of us in Los Angeles, LZ has an amazing commercial that runs on the radio about manscaping. And LZ, I tried. LZ, what? I was so interested in that commercial. Hi. Yeah, LZ does LZ does this commercial on the radio. I tried looking up the company. I couldn't find them online. Mans- Manscaped.com. Manscaped. I tried. I thought You're it was like something. Very hard, <laughs> 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 I, I typed in like Manscaping LA because I wanted to. Because LZ... LZ's commercial, LZ's commercial was really convincing. So I was just like, oh, let me see what this is about. What the? Nothing is worse than nicking your ball sack. Have you ever nicked your ball sack? Ow! Oh. LZ, is this like a new uh, business or? Um... <laughs> so, you know, as, as a radio host, you get an opportunity to do live reads for companies that you endorse. Oh, I and... got you. And you know me, Prem. You know, I like to make sure that it's tight and right. And so one of the companies <laughs> uh, that I talk about is manscaped.com. And it's just, you know, male hygiene, shaving and trimming and making sure your business is right. And so uh, this company has these really high-quality uh, tools that you can use instead of, like, the cheap razors and things like that. Just really nice-quality things to make sure. Hey, when did this turn into an ad read here? What's going on? What, what happened? Guys, guys. What? Do we get- it's going to be the promo code. code. The secret love advice he gave me was to Manscaped. It was, I, I'm totally on board with it. This is the hey, advice he gave me. Hey, Jane. The promo code is LZ Grown Folk. There you go. Oh, <laughs> uh, you better do that for the wedding, pal. <laughs> you better do that. Yeah. <laughs> only, hey, only if LZ hooks me up with the deal. I'll hook you up for the deal, but just do right. Just do it yourself, though. I don't, you know. <laughs> that's not really my. Oh, life. that's awesome. <laughs> DIY. So, who's starting us <laughs> off with that? So Asian. Prim, you 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 do the honors because you got to bounce because you're about to hop on a plane. Oh, 
Um, well, it wasn't. It doesn't really pertain to me. But, uh, uh, that's David, so Asian parents edition. Yeah. Well, this is part. This plays into it. So David Chang, um, huge, amazing, prestigious chef and founder of um, Mama Fuku here in New York. So he tweeted out something about what Tiger's mom said to him. It was something of the. He said, but you bogeyed the last hole, I think she said. Like he tweeted it out and said, um, words from an Asian mom, but you bogeyed the last hole. And uh, one of our fans tweeted at all of us, like, is that something that an Asian mom would say? And I'm like, yes, that is very, like my parents constantly, like I'll, I'll be like, hey, like I got a really good grade in this or, you know, I won this tournament or whatever. And they always qualify it. Well, well, but you didn't really, you didn't come into the net enough or, but you missed that question. I don't know. I don't know if you guys experienced this. Uh, oh, for Absolutely. sure. Of course. Yeah. yeah. Of, of course, of course, Prim. What a, that's a hypothetical. I mean, that's a rhetorical question. Come on. It was, oh. it was, but I, but you know, I just wanted to. So <laughs> I, I have, I have, I need, I need a ruling on my that's so Asian. So uh, you all know about a week ago or so, Magic Johnson stepped down, shocked the world. And when Magic stepped down, he was making his way after a 45-minute press conference, walking out to kind of say goodbye to everybody. And Magic was actually in a really good mood. He seemed relieved that you know he didn't have to do this job anymore and that people weren't criticizing him and he didn't have to fire Luke Walton and all this stuff. And so as he was saying goodbye to everybody, he comes up to me, and he was telling like another beat writer, hey, you know, take care of my Michigan State guy. And I went up to Magic and the only thing I could think of to tell Magic was, and I think I might have Asian mom shamed him, was that I said, Magic, I moved from New York to cover you. <laughs> I was so stunned that he stepped down. I was like shook. And the only thing I could think of to tell him was, dude, I came out here to cover you and now you're gone. <laughs> and he looked at me he looked at me like what and then he just kind of shrugged and smiled and then walked off so i'm later on i started thinking i was like did i just asian mom shave magic <laughs> you, you kind of did yeah yeah yeah. because you did kind of diss him right there you like you you put your stuff on him that was you like what this is not about you oh i just tried to give you a nice little shout out by saying take care of my right. michigan state boy you're trying to guilt me that was the first thing that came to my mind. And then the shout out to the Fob Pod and Carrie, because the other day I was at I was in Minneapolis for the Final Four. And after my Spartans loss on Sunday, I was totally depressed, didn't know what to do. My friend who was with me said, hey, let's go to the casino. There's a casino nearby. I go to the website and I notice Ken Jong is performing at this casino in Minneapolis. And so I DM Ken Jong on Twitter and I said, hey, man. I'm trying to get tickets to see you, but you're sold out. And he responded immediately. This is about an hour and a half before the show. And he's like, just come by. I got you. Next thing you know, we're in like this back room with Ken Jong, And we're just like talking about Duke basketball and everything. It was awesome. <laughs> and, uh, and then, of course, at the end, I was like, oh, man, we forgot to take a picture together. Ken Jong has amazing Asian selfie skills. Let me just tell you. He oh, took so used a to it. perfect selfie, and then while he was at the club, he, I mean, at the after his show, he gave us a shout-out on the stage, but he does this thing where he promotes for his next show where it's going to be. He does this little selfie live video in front of him where he just, with the crowd behind him, and he talks about the next location he's going to go to, and then he does this little child thing, but his show is amazing. Anybody that gets a chance should totally go see him. And the one thing I will say this, 
the, the entire crowd was pretty much white because it was, it was in it was about 30 miles outside Minneapolis. And I was amazed how much they were laughing at, you know, his opening act was an Asian guy too. two Asian guys basically telling Asian jokes and they were eating it up and loving it. It was awesome to see. That's awesome. Ken is the nicest. Shout out to Ken, friend of the pod. Um, as always, Justin, you got it. You got a, uh, anything? Yeah. First of all, just to piggyback on the whole magic fiasco, like a week before he stepped down, I was in the Netflix offices pitching a show and he was at the table right next to me pitching another show. <laughs> and I kept on thinking to myself, it's like a couple hours before tip off. Shouldn't he be at Stable Center right now? Like, shouldn't he be in the facility? And then, like, all these reports that he was, like, never around. Like, Rob Polinka would had this reoccurring joke, like, oh, where's Magic today? Like, for better or for worse, I'm not saying who's right and wrong in the situation. But I did, I was not that surprised when he stepped down. When I, when I thought back to that one moment where I was like, he's clearly not, like, he's clearly not in the basketball world right now. He's in the Hollywood world. Well, Justin, why didn't you go Asian mom shame him like I did? You should have just went over (laughs) and Asian mom shamed him. Like, why are you not at the Laker game? (laughs) Um, So my, my, I guess my Asian, that's so Asian moment is, um, it's more of a personal one, I think, think, than it is a cultural one. So, so looping it back in with Tiger, uh, my grandfather, who I love, passed away, you know, several years ago. And we literally buried him with his putter. He was a huge golf fan and he wasn't born that way, but a big reason why he was a golf fan was because of Tiger Woods. And I think this speaks a lot to this idea that, you know, Tiger, whether he chose to carry the mantle or whether he is this example that we're hoping for, he was the only one in a category and was the top of the world, the sports world for a certain period of time. And that within itself, just being the only one of his kind, inspired a lot of people because my grandfather would literally when his broken english would say this out loud he would say that he rooted for tiger because he wasn't white and he just like showed up all the white people you know like he would look at him and it wasn't even the fact that he saw him as half asian like i think there was a lot of that too but he really did just see this non-white person on the golf course and as an older man where you watch a lot of start to watch a lot of golf around that age because you're slowing down, you start playing a lot of golf for leisure. Like he, he truly just like knee slappingly had like a great laugh at watching this like person of color just like kick all these white people's ass up and down the golf course when Tiger was in his prime and like beating people by 12, 14 strokes at these major tournaments. He just got a huge kick out of it. And I just wanted to share that story with you guys. Nice. Shout out right there for sure. Uh, LZ, do you want to, um, by the way, what, what, what do we hear in the middle of that? Do we hear somebody peeing? Like, to, what was that? Should I not be bringing attention to that, Jade? <laughs> Some weird sound in the middle of that. What was that? All right. Yeah, oh, you were oh, paying attention. I think it was You're LZ. I muted him. I think he dropped oh. a, a pot in the massage parlor. <laughs> Uh, Man, don't get LZ in trouble. Do not get LZ in trouble. We're, we're, <laughs> um, I uh, that was very eloquently put, Justin. I want to talk about poopy diapers again. 
And that's going to be, that's my suasion. It's to do with frugality folks. So when it comes to changing diapers now, again, my guy's four, four months old, a little over four months old. If I see the blue strip of pee, but I take a look and there's no poop and there's no skid mark. And depending on how much pee is there, that diaper is not going to get changed. I think, Ew. I think, listen, it's not like he's Carrie. swimming in pee. Wait a minute. You're saying, you're saying your baby will pee into Carrie. the pamper, but you won't change it. It depends what on how much pee is in there. Doing? Yes. You could get, he could get a rash. Awful. No, no, no. He's got, he ain't, had, he ain't got no rashes. There's no rashes. You there. have listen. to stipulate very clearly here. If it's less than, if it's one pee or less, because I think that's what you're talking about. If it's the what? If it's one, like when a baby, like a little squirt, one pee, and it's it's like, oh, it's still kind of. This is a working diaper. You can tell when it's a working diaper and when it's are not you a working be, are diaper. Are you being cheap, you're not old filling, Asian man, You're Carrie? not filling these up to the brim. Is that is that what you're telling me? No, 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 no. no. Listen, he's not walking out of there like with saggy pants, bro. Okay, like, not, just make sure because my, I asked my, this question a long time ago to a, a, a relative of, of mine. Who's my, my wife's uh, cousin. She's yeah. a woman. And I and I asked that. I go, do we really need to you know, like in a Seinfeld way? Do we really right. need to be changing these diapers all the time? And and she just gave me a look, she, simply a look. And I see, was like, okay, yes, we do. <laughs> but, but see, that's the look that parents give other parents. I'm quickly learning this. People are like, when it comes to other parents, don't you find like you get so much advice, and some of it is like a lot of it is it comes from a good place, but sometimes you're just like. I got this. I hear and what you're uh, saying, uh, right. but again, I don't know. My, it's one of those kid's... unwinnable battles for me. <laughs> you know. So yeah, don't call uh, DFS on me over here. My my point is like most diapers, you've got the blue strip on the front, a blue strip on the back. When the blue strip has hit both sides, yeah, the diaper is getting changed, folks. But sometimes there's only a bit of blue on the front. And there's nothing else, and you just change like you. I'll change the dude, and I'll put a fresh one on. And this is not just my kid. Basically, what you're asking there for will be blue. is a better indicator. Instead of it rapidly indicating P, it needs to progressively indicate P. That's what you're saying. <laughs> like different colors of blue, just, like yeah. the Roy okay, G. Well, Biff well, scale. Once it once it's gone past the tinkle. Which is, you know, Carrie. Carrie I want to see purple. Be, do, Show me a purple don't strip. Be, don't. Don't be cheap old Asian guy, Carrie. Don't do it. Uh, is, it coming, is, uh, is it coming from a place where you're like, I want to save the world? Is that where you're going here? What's yeah, the point? There are so many diapers, man. There are so money? many diapers. Is it money? It's, it's everything. I'm trying to save the world yeah. one diaper at a time. They're hella, it's, sometimes, I mean, it's, it's, it's amazing to me. Oh, like, I'm still here. I'm like, where do we – like there's so – I have three kids now, right? So – and my – Two of my kids are virtually out of diapers, so I don't have to worry about it. But I, I put myself back in the five-year phase, and okay. it's amazing how many diapers. It's just incredible. It's so was, explicit. Like every Crimson. every other day, I got a box from Target in the front of the house with diapers. <laughs> <laughs> I got oh, you know what I just learned of with our godsends: the nighttime diapers, the stage rise. They go to like twelve yes. hours. Yeah, 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 yeah. Heavy duty. Dog. Yeah. That, that changed my life, man. I get store brand. I get like the store brand. I don't buy the name brand unless I have to. Oh, uh, we go Kirkland. We're Kirkland Signature. All Kirkland? The way, I go Pampers. 
Oh, Pampers, Pampers is way more expensive we than do, Kirkland. We do Target. I love Pampers, though. Kirkland, that's so, that's so Asian. Kirkland, that's <laughs> Chow, I'm with you. I'm with diaper. you on the blue stripe thing. Thank you, Prim. You left me hanging yeah. there for a second. I Dude. was like, what is... No, because I was muted. I was uh-huh. muted. Jade muted me. Sorry, Prim. <laughs> <laughs> I've been muted for like We're now minutes. in FOB no. overtime, so I know, I know. Um, no, because like you change in the beginning, you change like what twelve times? Potentially? Dude, I don't so, so many. If it's just a splash and he's not like it's still dry because like the diapers can hold so much. If it just happened and it's just a splash, it's not totally. heavy. Yeah. Like he's no, cool, man. Right, but there there are people who will leave their kids in very soiled diapers oh yeah no no no, no yeah no. yes no. i know but it's, 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 it's a judgment those- call and I, I i hear what you're saying i brought it up myself to uh like i said my family member i'm with you carrie but all right you have I, to I, I, you I have to don't be, just don't be doing that in certain company right you don't don't let people know <laughs> otherwise uh, yeah, say, like, <laughs> so don't say it on a podcast <laughs> exactly. like, single, single it's only between is, us single child is justin right now it's got to eat lunch after this and I'm about to dip off this podcast just because of that. Yeah. Uh, well, I think the it. manscaping got you earlier, actually. That's probably <laughs> no, 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 no. manscaping is all pro. That's all. That that all that all helps my cause. I'm not sure this <laughs> this does. Uh, uh, is LZ even still here, or what? Wait, he just disappeared. He done. He's at the muted him. Yeah, him and uh, Robert Kraft are chilling now, huh? All right, that's that's good. Um, I, will, I will say that, like, I don't think the Fob Pod could ever get sponsored by manscaping. Just because mm, it's like we're not the hairy. Not hair. Not, not no, hair. we don't. We're not hairy. Hair. Yeah. So. I can tell you stories. I don't mean that to sound like an innuendo, but from the waist up, even man, I gotta, I gotta do some what? landscaping. What is, what is going on right now? Is yeah, a, I don't know what's I, going on, but I have nothing to do with it. I actually, I, I, I enlightened. If anyone of you guys know Kevin Arnovitz, I actually got him into manscaping. Really? I know Kevin Arnold, of course. Yeah, because when we would do videos in Vegas, which was when we worked most together for Summer League, he would wear short sleeve button-down shirts, and he had very hairy arms, and you could see it on the camera. And I was like, like, Kev, you know what you should do? He's just trim your arm hairs. And then a few months later, he... (laughs) He came up to me oh with, with trimmed God. arm hair, and he's like, "That was like the best advice you ever gave me." Or was it? Like, was it like Seinfeld, where he shaved it and then just kept growing back faster I mean, and faster? There and is some, there is some truth to that for sure. Yeah. But oh, hey, LZ, LZ, I'm gonna yes. bring you. I'm gonna bring you the Asian population into the your your manscape.com. <laughs> yeah, but I'm, I, but Prim's right. That's that's not it. a great market. It's gonna, not. I mean, you'll, it's not going to be very some, lucrative. Yeah, you'll South find some Asian, guys for sure. South Asians. Just, Without sharing too much of my personal business, I would just simply say in my dating life, I had encountered several individuals that would have benefited for manscaped.com. You know what? Asian descent. Of that Asian is descent. of Asian descent. Oh, I will say if you if you are single. You should be manscaped. If you're a single and you're a dude, you should be manscaped. No matter. It, so what does just, that mean? If you're married, you just mail it in. Is that what I you're do? Yeah, to that's that's 100. percent That's oh, exactly God. what that means, Prim. <laughs> oh, you only got to hold off for a little bit longer, and then it's just let it go, man. Just oh, oh man, my gosh, no. The, no. I, I was, no. I was, I was can it's I say? Can I say one? Funny. I'll say one last thing. Uh, I was in St. Martin one time with an ex-girlfriend, and 
we went to this beach and she wanted it, it turned out to be a nude beach okay so i didn't get nude but my ex did but but to 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 this whole discussion there was an asian dude who clearly loved walking all across this beach butt naked he would walk oh up and down gosh. this beach butt naked and he definitely needed manscape.com let's see? put it that way mm. see it's, it's and manscape it's not just for anglers Ma- anymore all right well if they sponsor us Yo, I'm seriously, LZ just got like a 45-minute commercial on this talk. Oh. <laughs> LZ, see, I show you love, LZ. I show you love. I appreciate it. I appreciate it. All right, Karen, I didn't know anyone was actually listening. Yo, yeah. All right, we're, we're done here. Uh, go check out Manscaped.com if you really want. <laughs> Thanks for listening, y'all. Pro- promo code LZ Grown Folk. <laughs> grown Folk. <laughs> All right, everyone. Thank you. Have you made the switch to NYX? Millions of women have made the switch to the revolutionary period underwear from NYX. That's K-N-I-X. Period panties from NYX are like no other, making them the number one leak-proof underwear brand in North America. They're comfy, stylish, and absorbent, perfect for period protection from your lightest to your heaviest days. They look, feel, and machine wash just like regular underwear, but... Feature incognito protection that has you covered. You can shop sizes from extra small to 4XL. Choose from all kinds of colors, prints, and different styles, from bikinis to boy shorts, thongs to high-rise. You've got to try NYX. See why millions are ditching disposable, wasteful period products and have switched to NYX. Go to knix.com and get 15% off with promo code TRY15. That's Nix.com promo code TRY15 for 15% off life-changing period underwear. That's K-N-I-X dot com.